Start your engines and join me in the new mobile game, RuPaul's Drag Race Superstar. May the best superstar win. Available now. In a world full of straight people, aren't you glad there's WOW Presents Plus, the number one place in the world to see Drag Race? Subscribe to WOW Presents Plus. Still only $4.99. Subscribe today as streamed on TV. I'm Matt McConkey. I'm a writer, performer, and host of this podcast about And Just Like That. But now that we've recapped both seasons of the show, I couldn't help but wonder, should I go back and cover the original Sex in the City? The answer, of course, is no, but I can't be stopped, so every week I'll be joined by my very own Mirandas and Charlottes to unpack an episode or movie of their choosing. We're doing Sex in the City Roulette with extra Samantha and none of the Che. And just like Matt, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. You know, I'm so excited to be here and get into all of it with these two guests. We have an excellent listener voicemail at the end of the episode, so stay tuned for that. But we are talking Baby Talk is Cheap, Sex in the City, Season 4, Episode 6. This is the one where Carrie wants to get back together with Aiden, so she tries going on the World Wide Web, and Samantha is dating a guy who's into Baby Talk, and Miranda is dating a guy who's into Butt Stuff. And I wish I had a great segue from butt stuff to properly introducing these two, but I don't. But what I do have is a little bit of background on them. They're both incredibly prolific TV writers slash producers. I don't mean to brag, but I was a writer's assistant well into my 30s. And during that time, I had the honor of working with both of them on two different shows. And I feel like you always know a person's true character based on not how they treat like their colleagues, bosses, whatever, but how they treat the support staff. And both of them treated me horribly, very abusive and cruel. I'm just kidding. They're so wonderful to me and so, so kind and hilarious and warm. And as you've all just heard, we're kind of bringing them together for the first time, the moment you've all been waiting for. Okay, so my first guest credits include Superstore and Loot and American Auto and much more. Bridget Kyle, welcome. Oh my gosh, Matt McConkey, can you believe um, that I'm here um, because of how badly I treated you all those years ago? I'm just so shocked. Is this kind of like a revenge thing? Is now yeah. what I'm thinking. That, yeah, you I'm here to back. confront no, but, both of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I'm so honored to be here. Um, and you know, you were one of my favorite human beings of all time. We were children together Yeah. on a show called Marry Me, which is over 10 years ago. That's where we met. And um, I think, you know, that was my first writing job. And that's when I met you. And that's what I tell everyone. Um, that's so important about that show is I met you there and uh, I fell in love with you. And that's also what I wanted to talk to you about today. Okay, I love you. I want to leave my husband. Um, okay, great. Just talk to me about it after the show. Okay, excellent. And during the show yeah. too, as much content as we can create here, um, yes. you know, the better. But let's bring our second guest into the folds. <laughs> In addition to being a a TV writer and producer, she has been a groundling. She has been a rocket. 
And she's also the host of the podcast, A Therapeutic Dose, Margie McGee. Thank you for being here. It is so my pleasure. And Matt, I haven't seen you in a long time. So congratulations on being a mister and a married mister and happy new year and all the things. And Bridget, congratulations on making a baby. It's going to be hard for you to marry Matt for the next 18 weeks or so. But are you sure you want to do it right now? Maybe I think now's the best best time. Yeah. Like um, everyone says like, you know, having a newborn, you're kind of like so out of it um, and sleep deprived. But I was like, what a better time to like dump my husband, get married to a friend of mine who um, is not interested in women. And also, also recently got married himself. Why not try? And I think that's kind of like, I want you back, Matt, just like Carrie kind of wanted Aiden back. This is why I really wanted to do this episode, to be honest with you. Um, Just I think the themes are in the air. Truly. Yeah, the parallels are so clear. And <laughs> so clear. What a great segue into mm-hmm. the show. Well, I, okay, before we jump into the the episode, talk mm-hmm. to me about your individual histories with Sex in the City. Margie, were you were you in New York at the time living your Carrie Bradshaw fantasy? Way to out my age, Matt. And yes, I was. Listen, I know I've been so age shamed on this show talking to these people who watched watched it in middle school. It's It's amazing. I've listened to the podcast, and when I hear people say like, "I watched it when I was a kid," and I was like, "Oh, I was an adult." I graduated from the University of Michigan in 1999 and moved to New York City. So I think. I came to New York City in either either season three or season four, Mm. and this show shaped the life of my friends and me because they're about 15 years older than us. So it was, we looked to them to see like, what is, what are our 30s going to look like if we're in New York City? How are our friendships going to be? And I do want to thank you for inviting me to do this because, uh, as you know, I've been a little conflicted about and just like that. Mm -hmm. And I got upset because I was like, maybe I misinterpreted my sex in the city experience. Maybe I was wrong to love it so much. So I hadn't gone back to look at it because it has such a special place in my heart. But this got me to go back and oh my God, I loved it. The writing's so sharp, the directing's impeccable, the acting's incredible. Everything about it was what I remembered it to be. And it was just like a glorious parade of like young joy going across my screen, getting to watch this again. So yeah, same. Oh, (laughs) thank you. I mean, yeah, it is as much as you know, I, I love and just like that, but you know, do covering those first two seasons, I was doing a lot of rewatching those episodes and it, it hits different as they say, you know, going back and watching these, it really does just go down so easy. Bridget, what's your level of fandom? Yeah, so um, I I don't want to be this person, but I I watched it in high school. Bye. Um, so Goodbye. I know. I know. Um, and I know that was that was a a, a tough one to just bring Quite up. Quite an you guys attack. About that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, so I we did not have HBO in my house. Um, we were, you know, like a thrifty Midwestern Catholic household um, where it was like an antenna. But friends of mine got the DVDs and that was like 
really important. And that's what we watched all in college as well. Um, and then when I became an adult and was like, I'm going to get HBO, well, I watched all that. But I also, I, I forgot, um, there was the TBS version of my life oh, where, right. you know, they were airing on TBS, but with everything cut out of it. Yeah, so like it was just the city. Lines. It was just the city. They just talked about like taxis and subways and shoes <laughs> and nothing else. Um, and so it was very PG. I think I saw the episode where like Samantha falls in love with um, that uh, priest, like the Franciscan priest. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like that one played on TBS, I think just like on a loop. It was like the maybe the cleanest one they had. So I, I saw that one like a thousand times. Um, but it's, I would say it's always like a comfort show for me where I always go back and watch just like a full season um now on just max um and so yeah when you brought this up I went back and I just watched like the whole fourth season um and it's just it's still such a delight it is I don't know there's just like a a rhythm to it and even though a lot of lines can be corny I think we're allowed to say that maybe we can recognize like there's some puns I'm like it's still so satisfying on a whole oh, other yeah. level and oh it just it's so beautiful and oh yeah the movie came out remember it was like later in college for me and I remember like being so emotionally moved by it and like crying in the theater with friends it's it's just almost like every chapter of my life, there's a new sex in the city, something that we relate to and you just have, you have to see it. It's um, yeah, it's, I think it's so important for us. I do too. And did either of you, I mean, cause I also felt like I watched it. I mean, I'm closer to Margie in age. And so I also was watching sort of in the college post-college years as like almost like an educational video, just sort of like informative mm. of like, this is how you will behave when you yeah. are out in the world as an adult. And like, mm. I, and I think subconsciously I always was like, that's how I was interacting with men and recapping with friends over brunch, whatever like date I had the night before, but did it look like that for either of you when you got out of school and started, you know, jumping into the dating pool? I mean, it, it did, but just on a much, uh, at a much like lower income level, like those ladies were <laughs> oh, yeah. what they call in the business aspirational. I was, as you said, a rocket and a bartender at the ocean grill, because you can't live on a rocket salary. At least you couldn't in 1999. Yeah. And yeah, but I mean, I think I, I sort of loved it because I didn't identify completely with any one of those ladies. I sort of saw parts of myself in all of them. So I was curious to see like who I would grow up to be like, you know, and that was sort of how I watched it was looking 15 years into the future. Who do I want to be? Who do I feel like I might be? And yeah, we did. My friends and I structured our whole lives around what the ladies on Sex and the City did. We went to brunch. I don't mm -hmm. like brunch. I never have. But in those years, mm -hmm. I sure did go because when else are you going to talk about? And it gave us permission to talk in detail about sexual experiences and dating experiences and love romance experiences. Cause I grew up in a very conservative city where if you blush, when you look at a boy, you're shamed straight to hell. 
So mm. this show, like, you know, woke up a lot of like exciting parts of being an adult. Where did you grow up, Margie? Remind me. Well, I grew up in Pasadena, California, but in oh, the right. 80s. And at that time, it was like a red state on location. And it, it's, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. my dad was from the Midwest. My mom was from the South. So it made sense for them. But um, yeah, they didn't. I, I liked different things than most people in Pasadena did. And it was fun to move to New York and learn about how to talk about those things. In my mind, you grew up in like the Footloose movie and that you were like, can't wait to go to New York State. And now I realize that you're from Pasadena. Who knew Pasadena was such a, a footloose conservative place? It I... really, I don't want to misrepresent. It's just that I lived in a community of people who were driven and working to go to like Ivy League schools. And spoiler alert, I'm not qualified to go to an Ivy League school. I have other <laughs> gifts and talents and they weren't appreciated in Pasadena. And, you know, you were to, a rocket. I'm I so impressed that you were a rocket, by yeah. the way. I'm not over that. Um, Zero people be... in Pasadena are impressed about any of it. They call the groundlings <gasps> the gerbils just because they what? don't know and don't care. Like, it's just, you yeah. know, that was the world. The arts were not of interest um, mm -hmm. Sex was desperately um, terrorizing and to be avoided at all costs. And you will get AIDS if you think about it kind of era. For sure. For sure. You were, this was like the, like a long decades later hangover from like the graduate version of Pasadena. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. People wanted you to get into plastics. Mm -hmm. And you said, no, ma'am. No, I'm going to dance in New York City <laughs> and then I'm going to be hilarious and make a lot of money and be a very successful woman. I I yeah. think that's just the most fascinating story and maybe better than Sex in the City. If, or, no, I, I think it absolutely. fits right in there. I mean, they should have. Do they have a Rocket episode? I don't think so. But no, it, because it's yeah. obsolete and it's dated and it's, you know, nobody cares. And they, sh you know, it it's an institution, but it doesn't belong on, you know, it's not TV, it's HBO Sundays. Disagree. I'm <laughs> very much here for a Rocket character to be introduced mm -hmm. in just like that season three. All right, Hollywood, yeah. are you listening? The strike's over. Let's go. Exactly. Yeah, let's go. So, Margie, do you want to talk a little about those complicated feelings um, that you mentioned about and just like that and keeping in mind that I, you know, Michael Patrick King has listened to the show from time to I time? I am aware. And, I have listened you know, and I appreciate I I appreciate him so deeply because these I mean, the Sex and the City seasons were just transformative and yeah. um yeah, my trouble with and just like that is I went into it with the expectations that I would feel have the same set of feelings I had when I watched Sex in the City, which yeah. is 15 years down the line, what exciting things lie ahead? Well, turns out you're afraid to eat french fries because you might get fat. Your hair is disgusting and gray. Your husband has like he's completely deaf all of a sudden. Divorce is no big deal. You decide to, um, you know, date a woman, break up your marriage, and everybody just shrugs and moves on with their day. I just, I, I came in with a 1999 lens, mm. and I haven't shaken it yet. But I, I've taken this time during the strike to um, relax a little bit of what I think it should be, and go into season three, um, just sort of seeing what it could be. And yeah, that's. I, and I have to say, as much as I was, you know, bothered by it. 
I watched it every day, the day it came out. Of course. You know, I'm that person. So I wouldn't miss it. I would never miss it. And yet I, you know, I brought old, an old set of expectations to a new show. So some of that's on me. But what a beautiful arc for you mm -hmm. to come around to just acceptance with it. And uh, well, my last question sort of, and, and just like that related, you mentioned earlier, Margie, like watching the show as to sort of inform who you would become, which character you would become, which character do you think you have become? Well... When I was living in New York, obviously we all decided who everyone was in the group. And I was assigned Charlotte in the streets, Samantha in the sheets. So that was my <gasps> wow. <laughs> that was my That's 1999 combination. That's um, huge. But you know, I don't know. I think I've grown into I think I'm I'm the fifth character. I'm New York City. I'm chaotic. I stink <laughs> in the summer. I, you know, I I don't sleep and a lot of people like me, you know what I mean? So I sort of feel like they're all too like petite and cool and put together. So I'll never be one of them, but I feel like I can exist in their world as, you know, a big, chaotic, dirty, beloved city. Is that a pop out? Not no, the tagline of I stink and a lot of people like me is just like really beautiful. Um, yeah, the they summer, should Bridget, be using that summer. for like the oh, New York tourist board. <laughs> right. And Bridget, what about you? Did you watch it just like that? Um, so I have to be honest with you. I started watching and just like that. And I have, I think, similar feelings to Margie. And I also fell behind. I was in a writer's room at the time. And you can't fall behind when you're in a writer's room in terms of watching a show that everyone is watching. Mm -hmm. But I did not have enough time to watch it. So what I would do is I would read the Vulture articles and recaps of it every time they came out. Mm -hmm. So I caught up on that. And also, I have to, I know everything that was just said. Um, but I agree with Margie, there are a lot of things that I, um, you know, maybe didn't particularly love the direction they went in. I'm a, I'm a weird Steve fan. Like I, mm. and I think they did him dirty and I, it was hard for me to get over that. Um, but, and so I will just say I'm, I'm behind. I am caught up in the sense that I know what's happening. I watched the first I want to say two episodes and then I've read the vulture recaps um, so I can participate and pretend that I know what I'm talking about when I go to work. Um, I'm a liar, essentially, is what I just want to say and a fraud, um, but I need to catch up. So I will say that. But, well, um, that's what we're here to do, you know? Yeah. And I was going to ask who you identify as, but now I'm, I'm feel my, I'm intuiting based on your allegiances to Steve and the fact that you are ready to blow up your marriage and enter a gay marriage, but maybe you are a Miranda. Okay. Can I be honest with you? I think like, what we all wanted was kind of like the Margie experience, right? Like when we were younger, I think we all were like, well, I'm Charlotte, but I'm secretly a Samantha. And then you're like, I'm just a Samantha. And then one day you realize like, oh, you're, you're Miranda. And that's a good thing um, because, you know, she's successful and she was really down to earth and she kind of like got what was going on. But honestly, like the person who I think I probably am is like Skipper, you know, like someone who... <laughs> 
was like very early on kind of like annoying the people are like yeah no he's, he's a good guy but yeah just like like he's not who she ends up with so I mostly identify I think with Skipper who was just kind of like a sad sack who I think he eventually did okay um and oh, then yeah. they quickly stopped talking about him so either that or um yeah I don't I don't know maybe I'm trying to think like maybe Magda or um, yeah, I, I really don't. So like what Margie was talking about, I think is so fascinating of like 100%, like I had an idea that my life was going to be sex in the city. Like when I moved out here, I was like, I just was like not even 22 yet. I thought we'd go to brunch. I thought like, oh my God, we're going to date and everything like that. And I'm going to have the Samantha lifestyle. No, I didn't. Um, I like did not have a boyfriend and we were just hung out, uh, like hung over outside of the to-go pizza hut where they're like, no, you don't, you can't eat inside. <laughs> this is just for delivery. <laughs> and so like, that was my experience of like being young and hot and in my twenties is like alone, hungover eating pizza hut in a parking lot. Um, I'm still looking for my sex in the city days. And I, I'm not convinced that, you know, they're over or that I won't have not them. at I all. Just happened, I just happened to be in my late thirties and I just had a baby days ago and I'm married, but I think, I think there's a chance I could have like a sexy lifestyle soon. Um, I'm just waiting for it. You know, this show is all about honest conversations where we we really face our fears. And for some of us, it's a fear of aging. For some of us, it's a fear of carbs. And hey, I get it. The fear is real. But that is why I'm so excited to tell you about our sponsor, Hero Bread. Hero Bread has remade many of your favorite foods, but in these fluffy, delicious versions that include no net carbs, zero grams sugar, and fewer calories, plus protein, and fiber. Two of my favorite things. I've always said, if I ever have twin children, their names are going to be protein and fiber. What did I have for lunch today? A tuna sandwich on their seeded bread. It was the perfect texture. It toasts up just like a dream. My God, was it good. And right now, if you go to hero.co and use code like Matt, you will get 10% off your first order. So don't give up on being a breadhead because Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co, use code LikeMat at checkout. That's LikeMat at H-E-R-O dot C-O. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I'm a big therapy person. I would say for me, the greatest benefit of therapy, if I can look back at all of the years that I have spent in therapy has been changing the way that I speak to myself internally. You know, everybody always says like, you have to treat yourself the way that you would treat a friend. That's much easier said than done. So many of us are our own worst critics and it 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 takes some 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 help to untangle that. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try because it's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So take a moment, 
Visit betterhelp.com slash like Matt today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash like Matt. How, how is it going with the new baby? I mean, I, I, I don't want, I don't mean to take us so far off topic, but no, uh, so, how are you doing? It's so silly. It's so fresh. Yeah. So for just people who are listening, I had a baby two weeks ago. Um, it's wild. This is my, my first baby and it's, thank God he's a good baby. I had a, a baby boy. Um, he's been a dream. Um, I will say like my journey leading up to this point was nothing but horrible and chaotic. I had a very tough pregnancy. I had an even weirder birth where, um, not to get TMI, but I was pushing basically for like four and a half hours Oof. and they kept being like, we see the head, never mind. It's going back in. We see the head, never mind. Oh my it's going back in. Where my baby's head is so large that it got stuck in the birth canal. Um, and then they're like, never mind. We got to push that baby back in and you're going to get a C-section. <laughs> so this was like, it was like a fever dream for like 48 hours. Ended up with a C-section. What they don't tell you is also, this is just a fun fact. They give you fentanyl um, while you're oh. in labor. Did not know that. And they're like, we're going to give you fentanyl. And I'm like, did I hear that right? I don't understand what's going on. I thought we were trying to move away from fentanyl. Right. I was on it. I'm now, I guess I'm a fentanyl user. I was on fentanyl for a long time. And it was, um, it, birth still hurt. Birth is- Even on the trumps, fentanyl. Birth trumps fentanyl. Can you believe it? It's crazy. Um, but at the end of it, got a very healthy, large-headed baby boy. Super sweet, Rory. And yeah, it's just, it's so weird that I wake up every day and I have a baby. I think it's, it's pretty wild. I'm still in that kind of like the, is this forever like phase of being a new mom where it still feels not real yet, but he's yeah. been a dream. He's so sweet. And yeah, we're just so grateful and thankful that he's a sweet, healthy baby boy. As are we. And listen, mm -hmm. I, I saw a picture of him and he is really stunning. And his head looked just perfect, but if he does end up having a large head, you know that that's great for being on camera. That's considered TV, yes. a very desirable trait to be on TV. So that's great. Yes. Yeah, I just want to raise an actor. That's what I've been wanting to do since I was little is I was like one day, I just want to raise a child actor in yeah. Los Angeles. And that's why I came to this city, essentially. Uh, and also, I feel like very honored that we're being led into such a like intimate moment. It's like you're recording this from home. You're still in the like early week cocoon. The fact that you're podcasting mm -hmm. about Sex in the City with us right now, I just feel heroic. Yeah, truly. It, well, it was important. It was important not only for us, but as a nation to talk about this episode at this time, at the beginning of 2024. Um, I got to be honest with you probably a dumb idea when I was like, yeah, of course I'll do a podcast two weeks after I give birth. That should not be a problem. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm on very little sleep. I've barely eaten. And again, I was on fentanyl oh. for like 48 hours, but I'm You're so happy great. to be here. I'm so happy that you uh, allowed me to be a part of this. We're very happy that you're here. And yeah, when told, or one of you said that, that you chose baby talk is cheap. 
I couldn't remember what the episode was. And my first thought was like, oh, great, it's baby related. That's mm -hmm. so great because we'll have so many crossovers and the conversation bridge just had a baby. But that mm -hmm. is definitely not what it's about. <laughs> now, which one of it's you a chose? a little bit. Uh, so I brought it up only because it was an episode that I think is kind of classic in the Aiden scene where he's like you broke my heart I just remember like that is such yeah. an iconic moment but then I did I rewatched it and I was like oh there are some similar things of like Charlotte is trying to have a baby with Trey mm -hmm. and at least personally for me we you know we had a very my husband and I had been trying to have kids for a while I was like that's very relatable and, but mostly it was like the, the Aiden moment I felt was like one of the more um, classic moments that stick out in my mind when I think back on Sex in the yeah. City. And so I, it was, it was something I threw out and then, um, you know, uh, other people were very supportive of that. Well, you were on fentanyl anyway, yes. you know, at the time. So I was on drugs. What you were I saying. I was Can crazy. I just say that I was watching this episode and I was thinking of you, Bridget. And as you mentioned, you have a son with a large head who has a potential acting career ahead of him. I was watching the scene where Miranda first gets uh, licked down by a marathon man. And mm -hmm. I don't know why, but in my head suddenly I was like, that's someone's son. Like someone's mother is watching this going like, okay, great licking. I really believe that you ate her ass and mm -hmm. like loved it. And, you know, it yeah. just, and he was great. I think that's partly he why- was. I was like, every actor on this is spectacular, and mm -hmm. he was no exception. I'm too immature. If you told me to do a scene where I eat ass or get my ass eaten, I'm going to giggle the whole time because mm -hmm. butt will be in the stage direction. So <laughs> I was very impressed with this man, and I did think about you know how proud his mother must be. I would be proud of my kid doing is. a great job. Sure, probably still is. Probably was hoping that like ask him if it was going to be an arc, maybe like a three episode arc of ass licking. Like, is there more to this character? But um, he he was good. He was handsome and um, yeah, very convincing as someone who's really into the butt and. I laughed so hard when he was arching his back and scooting his butt up into the frame and then closer to Miranda's face. Like it was so, it was really funny. The sex scenes really are like is. hot and funny. And that is mm -hmm. unique to this show, I think. Well, let's get, go through a beat by beat because we open mm -hmm. on, I mean, that this opening scene is one of the ones that is truly burned into my memory. Such a moment in time. And, you know, <laughs> well, first Carrie's spinning out because she's like calling Aiden and, and hanging up, which we'll mm -hmm. come back to that. But then she immediately, we cut to her telling Charlotte about it in an African dance class at crunch, which really mm -hmm. roots us in, I, I guess we're probably in 2000 by now or late 1999, somewhere mm -hmm. in there, but, Okay, so my first question is, and this is a safe space, but have either of you, I mean, Margie, you are a dancer. Have you ever taken such a class? I absolutely have. And guess what, Jim? I joined after I watched Sex in the City upon first moving to New York. Crunch. Thank, Thank you very you. much. I lived on 25th and 9th, and there was a crunch on 23rd and 7th or something. Who cares? This is boring. Now Not you can tell my age. <laughs> um, but my yes i and i went to every dance class because they really did have good classes so i took hip-hop classes and african dance classes and anything that they offered that had bass i would go yeah. to that class 
I always wanted to take an African day. I mean, I guess I, you know, I did, I should say I went to acting school. So that is basically four years of like African dance and just different sort of weird college kids appropriating different cultures. And that was essentially my, my major. But then as an adult, yeah, like I, Went to Crunch. I remember watching through that fishbowl window in West Hollywood when people were doing the African dance class and thinking about this episode and thinking how much I'd love to be in there with like my friend Tony, you know, gossiping about like the guy we met last night while we half-heartedly went through the moves. But I never had the courage to to step in there. It's certainly not yeah. wearing like a full headpiece and large glasses like Carrie. I was like, who yeah. shows up to a dance class and like monster frames and a full head wrap, but only Carrie Bradshaw. Only Carrie. She pulled it Bridget, off, man. I love it. You've been, you went to, I think, straight to African dance class from the hospital after Rory was born. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Well, that's where I go every morning. Um, I'm such a dancer. No, I have never, this is not true. I, I went to one dance class ever. Um, and I had it in my mind in college that I could be a tap dancer. I don't know why I've never taken the dance class in my life. I bought tap shoes, went to the class. Everyone there had taken a dance class sometime in their life. I did not. I was so humiliated because they're like, no, you need to do this routine. Like in order to leave the class, I was the last one <laughs> and I could not do it. And then I never went back and I quit. Um, so I'm, I'm so impressed by people who can actually one have the courage to walk into a class. Um, I'm too humiliated to do anything in front of other people. Um, but this, yeah, this was a strong opening, I thought. And I also love the fact that um, everyone else in the dance class was like really good. And then Carrie just hops. She doesn't even move her arms. Mm -hmm. She just hops up and down when it's her turn instead of like actually doing the dance. I thought that mm -hmm. was just really special and yet strong opening. Um, I love that it was Charlotte's regular class that she goes to because when I think African dance class I definitely think well Charlotte would be she would for sure for sure by the way I just have to say when you said that you dabbled in tap dancing something came into such sharp mm -hmm. focus where I was like yes like that's Bridget I was like you as a <laughs> tap dancing child but also as a tap dancing now like if you told me that you were tapping like professionally on the side, I'd be like, uh-huh, mm -hmm. correct. Something 100%. about that clicks. Yes. I, well, I exude tap dancer above anything. They're like, she's a Leo and she's a tap dancer um, for sure. No, I have never, I I don't know why I thought I could do it. And um, actually a mutual friend of ours, Jessica Lamore, uh, who we both worked with, did you know, she like, was a tap dancer. She was telling me about this. She ended up on stage at the Apollo, like for tap what? dancing. Like she, yeah, she did this. And I was like, same. I went to one gym class tap dance and I was basically asked not to come back because it was painful for everyone. Um, but there are some people who I'm like, I don't understand how you, like Marky, you, uh, again, I'm going to bring up again, you were a raquette. I don't know if everyone it's just really adult has drill team. It's adult drill it's, team. It, it's amazing to it's me. It's thrilling. Um, There's nothing better than a kick line watching one or being in one, but it's not 
it's not dance. Do you know what I mean? Like you'll get fired if you do anything artistically interpretive with the choreography. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's still amazing. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a dancer. I'm a good guest at a wedding because I will not leave the dance floor, but anything that's like choreographed or like, all right, now, yeah, just do what I'm doing. I can't do that. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm a free spirit and maybe I should bring up tap now, but just like my own interpretive tap, that would be better. I'd love to see that. I took tap as a, I, I almost said as a kid, but I wasn't a kid is the thing in <laughs> Waverly, Ohio, mm-hmm, which you. is even more conservative than Pasadena, California, if you can believe it. <laughs> my also very gay friend, Patrick, who was a year older than me. I think that we were, I think I want to say we we're freshmen in high school. And he was like, there's a tap dancing class and I'm going to take it at the, at the one dance studio in town. Do you want to take it with me? And I was like, yeah, of course. And I think it was, it was for boys, but it was for boys who were Rory's age. It was like very (laughs) young children. And then me and Patrick who were like, I was probably a freshman. I think, I think I was eighth, in eighth grade. He was a freshman, but we were like both very mm-hmm. like tall and large for our age. Mm-hmm. So we really stuck out, but man, we learned, I, I can still remember the routine. It was this full, like sort of ode to America, like just very Guffman esque show that like, I did show up at the, I, 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 you know, learned the moves. I, I think I could still do them, but <laughs> I will say I had the wherewithal when it came time to do the show where you're going to be wearing the sequined red, white, and blue vests and cowboy hats and whatnot that I was like, I won't, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be performing live Mm -hmm. for the people. You know, I think I'm going to just sort of take this and keep it under my hat. And Patrick, God bless him was like, okay, well, I'm still going to do it. And so he went out there as a, as a giant Amongst babies, and amongst yeah, tapping babies. Yeah, amongst those tapping babies. Anyway, back to the show. <laughs> After African dance, <laughs> Carrie and the girls have this discussion about mm-hmm. whether or not she should get back with Aiden. And and Samantha is like, no, you know, granola, honey. And mm-hmm. Charlotte votes yes, does kind of body shame him at the same time. There's a lot of conversations mm-hmm. over the years about, about Aiden's body, but in the larger discussion of big versus Aiden, where do you both fall? Margie, are, are you an Aiden girl? I have always been an Aiden girl. I never understood big. I thought he, in my youth, I thought he was abusive. I was like, he is cold and withholding and manipulative and terrible. Um, I, I should note, I've never made a great choice in my dating life. So like, I'm not the person to ask, like, who's the right guy for Carrie or anyone else. But I was always an Aiden gal and revisiting this episode. I I remain like he's Mm -hmm. emotional and sensitive. And, you know, he pioneered a dad bod like that wasn't a thing in the 90s or early aughts. And, you know, Aiden rocked it on the TV for us. So you know, and he has a dog. I, I'm yeah. always, uh, I, I make quick assessments about people who have dogs. I assume things of them that are probably not always true, but you, you have to be a somewhat generous, loving person to take in a small creature and 
pick up its turds three times a day. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. what, what was your question? <laughs> that, that was basically how did I it. Up- <laughs> it was like, how did you feel about Pete the dog and his turds? Yeah. Yeah. How many times do you think Pete goes to the bathroom? I will say what I love about Aiden and what I love about what connects Aiden and Carrie in this episode is that they are both analog people. Like she does not want to send an email. And the very first one she sends is to him. And I don't know if you guys are as crazy as me, but as she's um, drafting her email, I paused the screen and walked up to it to read it. And it's stunning. I'll email it to you. It's devastating and beautiful and perfect. It's everything she said she sat down to write something sentimental and sexy and whatever her adjectives were. And I love that he never gets the email. She goes to his house and his apartment and throws rocks at the window. He eventually comes to hers and yells, let's do this. Like it's a very, you know, and she said at the beginning, I wrote this down. She said, are all of these improvements in communication really helping us communicate? To which analog Margie screams, no, I love an Aiden. Come throw rocks at my Mm -hmm. window. I'll come throw rocks at yours. I think there's something so lovely and personal. And I love a a very human emotional effort like that. I feel like that is very romantic. It is. And and now I'm just realizing as you're saying this, like that in a weird way, tech is this like recurring theme in Carrie and Aiden's relationship because- I mean, in a just like that, when they they reconnect because she emails him again, and and but but even before that, this my my motherboard myself when like he tries to help her with her computer, he try, her mm-hmm. hard drive crashes, they're not compatible. He tries to buy our new computer. It's it's a weird recurring thing that yeah, but it's like they're fighting against it because that's not where their relationship is meant to exist. Yeah, they're meant they to be out in, the in a very physical world yeah. and not in anything. Yeah. Like Samantha loves porn, you know, and that mm-hmm. is, I feel like the internet was built for her, but Absolutely. I appreciated in this episode, like that Carrie and Aiden do best when they communicate face-to-face instead of through AOL, AOL, yeah. oh, AOL. <laughs> and I aming. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bridget, where, what are your feelings about Aiden, big, all of it? I think, yes, I, I 100% agree with Margie where I, I, I tend to be more of an Aiden girl, but I totally understand and would in real life probably just keep going after big, which I did from, I want to say like 2009 until 2017. Um, like I, I just anyone who would not give me the time of day, I'm like, well, he's perfect and (laughs) just so romantic and stunning um Mm -hmm. and so but I think we're always chasing a little bit of that Aiden um 100% and uh yeah I would say I again yeah I am team Aiden but I will say this I am team anyone who is not the Russian um that's just me um, so I would have been happy if she ended up with Aiden. I was happy back in the day when she ended up with Big at the end. Um, you know, truly anyone who's not the Russian, I would have loved. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see who she ends up with, you know? 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, uh, Petrovsky has got to be one of the all-time worst. And I've worst. even worse than Berger, you know? Yeah, and that's I before agree. he ends up basically assaulting her in Paris. Yeah. Just yeah. from the jump, I, I, I could not get mm -hmm. on board with him. But I also learned who... Um, Oh my God! What's, what's Mikhail Baryshnikov? I learned I learned who mm -hmm. Baryshnikov was because from Sex in the City. Yeah, that's how a dancer that was coming from Waverly. I Island. know yeah. it's so funny because I I have blocked out all of his bad behavior as you're talking. It's coming back to me, but all I remember is that Mikhail Baryshnikov was on Sex in the City, mm -hmm. and they had yeah. scenes in Paris. So in my head, it was all romantic, and now you guys have um, snapped me back to reality. So thank you for that. I'm sorry. The we wonderful dancer. Up. Phenomenal dancer, terrible yeah. boyfriend on that show. Terrible boyfriend. Um, so Miranda makes this. Uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say one other thing that happens during this conversation. I think that we're just blowing past is um, they also break out fake nipples. I don't know if oh, that was uh, also an important moment in your life, but that is something that I also remembered from watching it for the first time being like, you know, the girl, Samantha pulls out two fake nipples that she says the nipples are in right now and they're going to try them out and they put them in their shirt and Miranda walks around and she gets attention from guys. And they're just saying like, guys are so into nipples right now. And I think that is something that stayed with me um, from the first time I watched it. I was like, oh my, who knew? And I was like, why? Why would guys be so into nipples? But I, Sex in the City said it. So it must yeah. be true. Um, and then not to bring up another part of your life, Matthew, but, um, you know, Rachel Green, our dear Jennifer, yes. Aniston, it was it was very um, kind of like her calling card on Friends that you could always kind of see her nips. And I think that who who brought it up first? Was it her? Was it Sex in the City? I don't know. But I thought. That was just a very important moment of like late 90s, early 2000s tank tops with your nipples showing. Um, You're so right. Like, I don't, I thought of Jen Aniston too, as soon as they mm -hmm. said it, when I was rewatching this and I was like, what a legacy, oh God, we're poor Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I was like, are they going to say her name? Cause I, I felt like that's who they're referencing. Cause I think friends was <laughs> all well into its run by yes, now. Yes, 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 yes. I was like, Imagine if they made a Jennifer Aniston joke or it's like that would be my worlds colliding, but in a way that I I actually wouldn't be able to like metabolize, you know? Yeah, it might be I'm too hard for you. Yeah, it would be hard. Yeah. But yeah, they, they are always introducing something into the cultural conversation. Like, I don't think we were mm -hmm. like talking about nipples as a good or a bad thing until this. Mm -hmm. We I just recorded. I think it'll come out next week. The one where Miranda is, I mean, Samantha is dating the trainer who like shaves her pubes into a lightning mm -hmm. bolt. And it was like, again, I, were we talking about pubes and, and, and like full hair removal in, in the way that we started to until this show 
came along, I don't know if we were. I don't think so. And if, if, if everyone was doing it, it was a secret, you know, yeah. it was only mm -hmm. the show that made us sit down to brunch to talk about like what shape you're going to get your pubes yeah. in this summer. <laughs> well, so meanwhile, I mean, we already mentioned the Tukas Lingus thing and, you know, that when Bridget holds Rory and gazes into his eyes and fantasizes about his future, she's like, someday, maybe you're going to have a Tukas Lingus arc on a big TV show. And just a like Marty thought about him, you know, like that's, <laughs> that actor has a mom. Yeah. And, and the, an another thing that like was sort of introduced into the zeitgeist by the, I mean, the, the show didn't invent butt stuff, but it's another thing mm -hmm. that like, yeah, like we weren't, it, it, it's like, I think Carrie says, I didn't know that that was on the menu. I will say this moment really struck me when people are always like sex in the city is, is just a bunch of gay guys. You know, it's written by gay guys and the characters are all like gay male archetypes sort of posing as women. I'm like, I object. If this were a group of gay guys, like butt stuff's always on the menu you know that that this is not how the conversation looks so i feel like you can point to this episode and be like no this is you know this is very much its own thing yeah yes. and i don't i mean i don't want to get too graphic but i remember i had uh my first experience with this where i was with someone who just suddenly stood up turned his back to me i was on my back and squatted pulled his cheeks apart and said lick my ass and oh it, there had been no God. conversation, but but it was a similar in this episode. I was like, oh, this had happened years before to the ladies on Sex in the City. Again, this is not someone that I was close with. It was a, an encounter that, um, mm. you know, was a surprise to us both, I think. But that moment in particular has always stood out to me because it was a command as if I'd heard it before or as if it was something as if that's the next natural step in this makeout evolution. It was wild, but it went it was, from making out to just lick my butt right now. Uh, that's I mean, that's no, I, there were there were there okay. were steps in between, but to okay. me, it felt like we were making out in a way that made sense, and then all of a sudden, he stood up on the bed, turned around, squatted, oh. pulled cheeks, turned his head over his shoulder to say, "Lick my ass." So, you know, so this is a core memory now. So a, sexy. Yeah, a man yes. really intimate. Up. I felt I really seen and yeah. beloved, you know. You weren't you weren't thinking in yeah. that moment the way things are progressing like he's probably going to stand up and squat in my face soon and ask yeah. me to lick his butt. <laughs> I did not, but you know, I until that but, point, I guess I was a Carrie Bradshaw and I didn't know it was on the menu. Yeah. Or no, I guess a Miranda, excuse me. Mm. And then immediately no. when he did that, you were like I'm going to marry this man because everything about this moment is just so beautiful. Um, I think it sounds like a music video, to be honest with me. So. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's I just like dissociated and waited yeah, until yeah. I could tell my friends. But, you know, that's uh, yeah. But again, it, this show, I'd never heard of anything like it before. I've never certainly never heard people talk about anything like that before. There's so much that is not taboo at all that this show made us realize it's not taboo yeah. at all. Everyone has yeah. this experience. And that's the legacy. It's like, you're so right. If this kind of thing happened to me because of the show, I'm immediately like, Oh, amazing. I cannot wait to tell my friends. Whereas before mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't know talking about it was on the menu, you mm -hmm. know? 
Yeah. And eat my ass happened when I was in my thirties. So I was their age and I was like, wow. ah, this is, this is the time that this happens in your life. Yeah. Life yeah. is imitating yeah. art. So meanwhile, Charlotte, as we mentioned, you know, she's in, it's interesting because like so much of her ongoing arc is about her journey to becoming a mother and, you know, she's going to run into the fertility issues and then exploring adoption. And, but like, this is really where that's all introduced because this is where they first decide to start trying. Trying. And, mm -hmm. you know. I've talked about this thing here before where my husband and I very much in the gray zone of, are we trying? Are we not trying? You know, I don't know. I so relate though, to the scene when she has her friends over with the kids and immediately just seeing the way the kids act, you're like, Oh, absolutely not. It's that's, that's now off the menu just based on one interaction. And then the next day mm -hmm. I'll hang out with someone's kid who's a perfect angel. And I'm like, Oh, you know what? I think I could do this, but I'm still, I'm still very much in the flip, the flipping and the flopping. I love yeah, that it's sentiment that they talked about that people go from being a couple to being just parents, you know, mm -hmm. and that I thought that scene was such a brilliant demonstration of that. Cause that's not just who those people are, but like, parent they're they were parenting three small children i'm sure they're both exhausted and they clearly had had it with each other at that dinner like they couldn't stand each other they couldn't stand their kids and everyone was just like you know they were parents that's like that's part of the job it appears yeah. for a few years you surrender uh your coupledom in favor of taking care of you know people who need your care yeah yeah it was there's such a, a watching it now much you know later in life um the scene where she charlotte runs into her friend i, for, I forget the um woman's Trish. name but thank you trish yeah and you know the voiceover says like you know trish had it all she was one of those moms who made it look easy and here's this like beautiful blonde woman with three kids in the store and you know she says like can you believe I'm 34 and I have three kids and Charlotte takes this as like oh my god like I'm behind I I don't even have one I'm 34 and like this woman is so perfect and has everything there's a jealousy about it and then when the you know Trish comes with her husband and the three kids pure chaos and they're like oh god that I hope that's never us one day I just always like it hit me so hard this time I think of being in that position where you know you're in your 30s and your a lot of your friends and your peers start having kids and then there's this ultimate jealousy of they have and I don't you know fill in the blank and then when you, it comes to reality you're like oh holy shit this is so hard <laughs> and like everything they're experiencing is not what it seems. I was like, oh my God, this is such like a wonderful, like tale as old as time that I think we're seeing in this where, especially in like Instagram culture now and just seeing everyone's life. And I'm so jealous because I'm this age and I don't have this yet. And look, they make it look so easy. And then in reality, it all comes crumbling down. I like this, this storyline really hit me this time. And especially because I just had a baby. Then at the end, when they said something of like, you know, well, that will never be us, just like every parent says, you know, when they see other people have it. I'm like, 
100%. Like I, I just know it's coming for all of us of like, especially me being in this position where I'm like, I will never be the parent who acts and you just, you can't, there's no control over that. You don't know what you're going to be. You're just going to try your best. Um, and then also I was like, this is so heartbreaking. Like you said, Matt, of just like, this is the beginning of Charlotte's journey to have children that we just see. It's the biggest struggle she has, you know, she goes through divorces and, um, finding love again. But I think like the fertility issue was always her biggest, you know, struggle. And I think that's something that a lot of people deal with and like in a very heartbreaking way, just thought it was so interesting that this is the start of it, that, um, here we are and she it's so hopeful and like you know we all know where it goes it ends up Mm. you know with a happy ending but it's a very long journey which i thought was amazing yeah so samantha is sleeping with the guy who uses baby talk and oh sorry one other thing i wanted to mention about the charlotte thing before we move on very important is that her friend trish that we're talking about at the dinner scene when she keeps warning the kid and saying that's one the kid her youngest child's name is martin and i was just like imagine having a baby and calling naming him i mean it's a great distinguished name but it just feels like right in this moment hard to imagine a a little Mm -hmm. baby boy being like i will call him martin martin it's inappropriate it's an inappropriate name for a child. You but are I will say this. Right. It's baby Martin sounds weird, but like Martin at 40 makes sense. Absolutely. As opposed to baby Margie makes sense, but Margie oh, at 40 sounds insane. So, disagree. you know, there's, there's hits and misses with all of these choices. Disagree. Margie say, is timeless. On this, I loved, this isn't a TV writing class, but I really loved how there was that Carrie voiceover that you mentioned, Bridget, where she says something to the effect of, you know, they told each other the lie. Every parents tell themselves our Mm -hmm. kids will be different. So Mm -hmm. you're sort of thinking like, oh, they're going to be like that crazy family. But then the engraving on the rattle at the end, Mm -hmm. we had each other, then we had you, then we had everything. I'm choking up just saying it. Like, Like there's, they really did a lovely job of capturing all that it appears parenthood is. It's impossible and it's beautiful and it's exhausting and it's energizing and, you know, there's nothing like it. You can't have that experience unless you have that experience. So yeah. I really loved that part of their story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every step, I mean, especially being older and watching, going back to Charlotte's story and even what Charlotte's story continues to be in. And just like that, I'm always so moved by it in a way that I wasn't like, I just didn't, I just didn't give her her due as a younger person. Mm -hmm. And now like so many friends who have faced similar struggles and some struggles that I identify with, like the fact that she the most important thing, you know, she, she, she has her career and she loves her work, but like is the most important thing things in her life are her family which looks absolutely like nothing like she thought it would be in the beginning it's like she's a wasp who is now jewish she married this mm-hmm. guy who was you know so not trey and you know she has an adopted kid she has a non-binary kid and she is and she loves she loves them so fiercely as a mom. It's just so beautiful, and mm-hmm. um, and 
just what a loyal friend she is. Anyway, I, I, this is going no other than just like, I love Charlotte now more than ever. I agree. Yeah. I always kind of thought she was a little like, you know, flighty in times and naive in others. But I think the, like you just said it so perfectly, like at the end of the day, the things that mattered to her the most were her family and her kids. And especially this episode is so hopeful. Um, and especially with the rattle, like you said, Margie, there's something that's like so sweet and bittersweet about it mm-hmm. because on the, you know, on a rewatch, because we know, you know, she's not going to have a baby with Trey. It's going to be a long journey. And, but she's, there's the excitement there. And yeah, it was, this was a good rewatch for the Charlotte, um, the Charlotte yeah. storyline for sure. Anyway, we should just touch briefly on the Samantha of it all because she mm-hmm. is, you know, dating the guy who uses baby talk in bed. <laughs> and it's interesting. Every time I rewatch it, there's like one little line or image or something from the episode where I'm like, oh, wow, this is the thing that implanted itself into my brain. And for me, from this storyline, that thing that really stuck with me wasn't the baby talk itself, but it's when Samantha's telling the girls about it. And Carrie is like, oh, man, that's like putting ketchup on prime rib. You're ruining it. And I was like, (laughs) somebody just takes me out of it so much where I'm like, wait, Carrie eats prime rib like uh, that doesn't square <laughs> for me totally but anyway not relevant but what? totally relevant yeah. it took me out too i was like who was the freelance writer who submitted a joke and got it in yeah because this does right. not like what carrie has never touched ketchup like what are we doing yeah she every was like, night winning it the way she did right. it too was just so awesome you know how like carrie just snuggles up in bed with her prime rib every mm. night in a bottle yeah she's just she loves like, the meat on the so bone carrie. if there's one thing i know oh. about carrie yeah yeah just always at the steakhouse. Um, that's that's hilarious. I love that. Um, that also the fact that you're like a freelance writer. Obviously, that is mm-hmm. like so perfect. Anything else jumping out at you about the Samantha piece of this? The only thing for me that I loved is when she tells him like, these aren't my titty witties, these are breasts, and you don't have Mm. to say anything about them. And then the line that blew my mind in the 90s was when she said, it's just sex, it's fine. Like that was, again, a revolution for someone who was raised in red state on location, Pasadena. Like there was, you get, if you're going to have sex, it's because you're going to marry someone, you're going to make a baby out of it. And, you know, that was just a whole different mentality. And She's does such a she's so relaxed talking about it like that. And, you know, as a little 21 year old in New York City, it opened a whole new um, world of, um, you know, dangerous and uh, ill advised sex. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just sex. It's fine. It's just sex. It's fine. (laughs) It's kind of like Samantha's tagline in a way where it's like, it's just sex. It's fine. You don't have no big deal. But I think two things stood out for me. One is how much that guy looked like Christopher Maloney. Um, a, oh, right. A bit. He was, it was a very like New York Wall Street version of um, Chris Maloney. And then also um, it is so unsettling, I will say, to every line that that man has um, it, in the throes, I will say nothing throws me off more than his lines because it was, it was, it, it physically is cringy every, yeah. every line that he says. Um, but she has the best facial 
reactions because I was like, I feel the same way. It's so cringy. Um, and I also love that, like, it throws her off so much. Samantha, who's yeah. probably seen it all and done it all. But the thing that creeps her out the most is a man doing baby talk. Cause I agree. There's nothing creepier and more off-putting than an older man talking as a baby. Yeah. It's quite an interesting kink, but you also get why she was able to put up with it to an extent because he did yeah. look like Chris Maloney. It was like, he did look like Chris Maloney. Yeah. Which, but by the way, hearts. the fact that Chris Maloney never guest starred as like one of Samantha's dates and had like a funny sex scene with her is just such a miss. Just it's what a, a crime. true crime. It's a big, yeah. <laughs> I did love the line Samantha said about him. She said, I had to sit on his face just to shut him up. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. that was funny. Yeah, sometimes you have to do that, you know? you know? So we have a listener voicemail before I let you go. I'm excited to get your thoughts on this. His name's John. Some very compelling thoughts and questions posed here. Hi, Matt. My name's John. Huge fan of the show. First thing, I don't know why we aren't acknowledging that Bitsy Von Muffling needs to be the fourth woman at the table. She's out there being fun, yet supportive, and sex forward, just like Samantha. And have we not all forgotten that she has a child about the same age as Brady and Lily? She's never mentioned them or ever acted like she even has a kid. And now my questions. Ever since I was a teen watching the reruns of Sex and the City on TBS, I was always a Charlotte. Um, and just like Charlotte, my husband decided he did not want to be my husband anymore. Um, I was with him all through my 20s. And eight months ago, he moved out. And I'm actually in her old home, just like Charlotte, but without the Katie drama. And just like she said, the only thing worse than being 34 and single is being 34 and divorced. So my two questions. One, can you tell me everything's going to be okay? I'm still in my first year of grieving and it still hurts. Secondly, who should I aspire to be for the rest of my 30s? Getting as much sex as I can, like a Samantha not giving up hope that Mr. Wright is out there like Carrie or maternal and judgy like Magda. Um, and P.S., since all of your guests cast themselves, I would be Bitsy's son, who it should, of course, obviously be gay. Thanks. Bye. Oh, John, thank you so much. And I'm so sorry for what you're you're going through. I do hope that when you are cast as Bitsy's son in season three, that that is at least somewhat healing. Mm-hmm. That's that. I mean, what better revenge, you know, than that? E either of you have any thoughts for John? I will say when I, I heard this and I mean, my heart goes out to him because that's awful. It's, it's so tough. I think, you know, for people who have had major heartbreaks in their lives, I, I have had one or two. It's, you know, the pain and the sting doesn't go away for a long time, but I will say something that can be kind of, you know, bittersweet. Nothing lasts forever, including love, but also heartbreak. And there will be a new thing that comes into your life for sure. When he said he was 34, I was like, oh my gosh, you have yeah. so much time. You have so much time. Uh, and especially if he's, 34 in Los Angeles, you're just a child. If you're 34 in Ohio, you still have a little bit of time. Go to Bob Evans. You'll meet a very nice man, believe mm -hmm. me. Um, but, you know, I think there is so much 
time and it does get easier. And I think it turns from pain to like a very kind of nostalgic feeling quicker than you think it'll happen, um, where you won't look back on this time as just purely painful, but as, you know, a learning experience. And maybe possibly uh, you can look back on the memories um, that you had with your husband as just like a separate time where there were good times and bad, and then a whole other chapter will come. Um, and I think if he is going to cast himself, I will say, I will always strive for a Miranda. Like I, I do wish that on people, um, but a, a, a Miranda who, I don't know. I, I do think, and just like that, Miranda is a little different than end of, you know, the mm. regular um, sex in the city seasons. So I would say, don't sell yourself short. I think you can be uh, anything you want to be. And I think take from all um, a little bit of Charlotte, a little bit of Miranda, but also, yeah, be, be Bitsy's son, make him your own. Yes. I think. Yeah. Oh, well said. Margie, what do you think? I mean, the part that really just spoke to me was when he said, tell me I'm going to be all right. And yeah. as someone who has survived heartbreaks that were so physically intense, I thought it would kill me. I literally thought you could die of heartbreak because it hurt physically so bad. And I just want to assure you, John, you will be okay and you will be changed and you will be different. But my experience has been, I've come to love that part of my story. And that mm -hmm. part of my story has connected me to other loves in my life and um, it made me think of, there's this Japanese art form called kintsugi. Are you guys familiar? Yes. 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 No. So they take broken items and they mend them. They seal the cracks with gold. And the idea is that the break and the repair are the celebration in the item. It's something to be, um, it's something to be celebrated instead of disguised. And to me, that's how I look at honestly, my whole life. It's just, I mm -hmm. feel like. I'm a ceramic pot and someone drops me every, you know, six to 10 months. And then I'm put together with a gold that I could never have imagined could have made me like feel so like seen and beautiful and excited about what's next. But I will bear witness to the fact that the beginning is an endurance test. It's awful. Mm -hmm. You know, it's awful. What do they say? Slowly and then all at once. It's yeah. terrible. And every day feels interminable. And then one day it's true you do sort of realize you've started a life as your new um, sealed with gold self. So hang mm -hmm. in, John, you're going to be okay. God, what a beautiful way to put it, Margie. It's so true. It's like you, you have like unwillingly, unwittingly entered kind of a survivor's group. Now mm -hmm. it's a tribe that like the requirement for entry is like a very specific kind of heartbreak and especially, you know, it's heartbreaking when any relationship ends, but being, being left, being rejected in particular has a, a, a specific kind of pain. And I know it all too well as well. And yeah, it's interesting when he asks, who should I channel? I, my mind goes to Carrie, but specifically the end, mm. just like that Carrie, because, and just like that, Carrie, her story is about, you know, 
getting her recovering her life after her marriage ends, obviously her marriage ends because big dies, but I'm sure this Mm -hmm. feels like a death in many ways. And so I think you kind of have to do what Carrie does, which is to fully grieve it. And like, don't try to skip that. Don't be ashamed of that. And, and just surround yourself with people who will support you in that. And maybe, and by the way, yeah, that might part of that grieving process might involve having a lot of like casual sex with people. I got no problems with that. Um, but much like Carrie, I, I think it's one thing. And just like that got so right is that like on the other side of that, these whole new adventures await and, you know, new, new, new friends, new professional endeavors. I don't know what, what it is. And I don't know. I think that you can focus on bringing some new energy into your life Maybe you move out of this place if you if you are able to do so. That's really not a requirement. Maybe you start a podcast like Carrie did. I don't know. <laughs> Hang out with some different people, you know. Look for the SEMAs, steer clear of the chase as mm. you, you know, gather your new tribe. I mean, the, the last thing I will say is like I was thinking about when I went through this, you know, this breakup that I thought was it was a very defining experience in so many ways, but like I went, got into therapy for the first time in my life because of it. And so many good things came out of the like effort to like pick up the pieces from it. But anyway, the reason I bring it up is that at one point in therapy, I said something like I was so dumb, but I was like, I don't know if I'll ever love like this again. And I'll never forget my therapist at the time, Griff, he goes, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I'll ever love like this again. And he goes, good don't i was like uh what now and he's like yeah maybe the goal is not to like love in such a way where your whole identity and self-worth is wrapped up in this person choosing to stay with you and maybe the goal is to be complete with or without them and solid advice you know so true that is so beautiful and i've never heard something like that before but i think you're so right man where it's like I think you experience different types of love that are, that can all be romantic. Um, and you yourself change just a little bit with all these new relationships. And I think that's something John can look forward to is just loving someone who is different and you love them differently and you have a different type of relationship and that might not be the last one, but, and so, or it could be, but I hope that John has, many more experiences because I know he will he I mean there's just so much more ahead here 34 the world is your oyster I think you can do whatever do you think it it is important to like sit in the grief though you know like Mm -hmm. it's so some of healing is so lonely like it, it you do feel alone and you know I always try to remind myself and other people that everything is going right if you feel hopeless and alone then you're feeling your feelings and you're on the way out there's this line from a poem that I love that talks about you know it's so cliche but like the metamorphosis from caterpillar to butterfly but it talks about how in the cocoon you liquefy you turn to dark goo and then the line from the poem is there in impossible darkness is conceived the sheer inevitability of wings And so I hang on to that of like, it has to get so dark, you have to liquefy, but it's the, oh, did I say impossibility? I meant inevitability. Sorry. The sheer Uh, inevitability of wings. 
it's inevitable that you will come out on the other side of this. But if you're in the liquid dark goo right now, you're doing everything right. Wings are inevitable. Hang in. That's all. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> Thank you, John. Sending you lots of love. Let us know how you're doing. Thank you, Bridget Kyle. Thank you, Margie McGee. Thank you, everyone, for, for listening. Next week, we are going to be covering Season 2, Episode 6, The Cheating Curve. That is the one where Charlotte falls in with the art gallery lesbian elite. I've got two very fun guests coming for that, so make sure you give that one a rewatch. Uh, okay, bye. And that's our show. Please do give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at and just like Matt Pod. And Just Like Matt is a World of Wonder production created and hosted by me, Matt McConkie. Our executive producer is Renee Colvert. Our associate producer is Jess Walinski. And our audio engineer is Justin Matson. Many thanks to Michael Pressman and everyone at World of Wonder. 